Last week we talked about uh, the unity that we have as a result of our relationship with Christ. First with him and then with each other. And um, just I felt like just a really important message. One, because of just where we find ourselves and what we're watching on the news every day and what we're seeing in our culture. But also because when we come together and we meet here this morning, we are a diverse group. I mean, we, we're, when we are, when we're saved, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, when we're given that new life, we don't become clones. You know, we're, we, still, we still have our likes, we still have our preferences, we still um, have our talents, our abilities, we're given special gifting, and um, we're, not, we're not the same, and yet we have this unity. And so, um, when I look out, I do see a diverse group. You know, I see, uh, I see a bunch of us, myself included, from the north. And we see a bunch have come up from Florida. We see some who are wealthy and some who, you know, maybe struggling to get by. We see uh, some people have influence in the community and others really, what they say just doesn't seem to matter. Uh, older and younger, liberal, conservative, we're a diverse group. And that's a beautiful thing when we come together and have unity in Christ. So uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 14, and it really, in this chapter, Paul's really talking about how we have that unity even when we have uh, differing opinions, as one translation would say, or we don't see eye to eye on disputable matters. And um, we were looking, going to just continue this conversation about unity, Lord willing, this, uh, this morning, and then also next week, we'll finish looking at this chapter. And we did... I did a, a devotion, I don't know, maybe a month ago, and this is where um, this message this morning is, is uh, coming from. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look into his word. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, I'm thankful for each one that's here this morning or watching online. Lord, I'm thankful for the way that you've uniquely made each one of us, and you've given us uh, different life experiences. We, uh, we see things from different, different vantage points. And yet we are one in Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We're brought into this family, the family of God. And uh, Lord, as a family, we're called to be united. And um, interesting, though, is we're not necessarily called to think the same way about all things. And that allows us to um, be effective in ministry to so many different people who need to hear about your name, that don't know your name. And so, Lord, as we look at the text this morning, would you just guide us and teach us and help us to understand how you would li- have us to live together? And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 14, verse 1 says this, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Now, when I read that, I think to myself, well, who's the one who's weak in faith? Hopefully, it's not me, right? Hopefully, that's some of your problem, not my problem. I don't know. Maybe you're not as uh, selfish as I am, but that's, you know, that's my thought. Well, who are these weak people? Um, and I think that as we, as, we, as we go through and we look at the text this morning, we're not talking about someone who is not sure if they're a Christian or not. We're not talking about someone who doesn't love Jesus. We're not talking about someone who's, who has a, they don't know where they stand with Christ. I think we're, we're talking about the family of God. We're talking about believers. And uh, I want to describe faith or define faith this way this morning. Faith is having a knowledge about something 
and then being persuaded or having belief that that knowledge is true or could be trusted. All right, and so I wanted to define it that way because a lot of times when we, we talk about our faith, we automatically start to think about the faith that we have in Jesus, the, the faith that gives us a relationship or right standing with God. But that's not what this passage, I don't think, is talking about. So we'll describe faith as having a knowledge about something and then being confident or being persuaded or having belief that that information could be trusted. Because what we're going to see here is that we have brothers and sisters in Christ having knowledge about the same thing, but each coming to a different conclusion or different opinion about it. And so how do we handle that as a body of believers? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So I just want to be clear, we're not talking about a matter of, well, are they Christian or not? Do they really believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins? That's not what we're discussing this morning. But we do have some who have weak faith. They, They look at the issue and they don't have the confidence that another person has. What are we to do? We are to welcome him or her. Accept them. It's the idea of just bring him into your living room. This is your family. I told first service, treat him like you treat your brothers and sisters. And then I thought, well, <laughs> treat him how you should treat your brothers and sisters. Um, you know, this, these, are, these are brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we have this unity in, in Christ. We have this commonality, and we need to... Uh, accept, and we need to welcome, and we need to do life together. We're not just kind of, well, they're, the, they're from that side of the family. You know, we'll keep them over there. Um, and so then we don't, we want to welcome them, but it says do not quarrel, or not to quarrel over opinions. Uh, let's, I, I've got a couple other translations for you. Without quarreling over disputable matters, don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Uh, but not to dispute over doubtful things. All right, so this is where I'm saying, we're not talking about, does this person believe Jesus died on the cross for their sins? This is not what we're discussing this morning. There's a couple examples here in the text, and we'll bring up some examples. But these are things that one good, God-loving, and fearing person says, I don't think that that's okay. And then you have someone else that looks at the same issue and says, I really don't have a problem with that. So what, what do we need to do with these types of issues? So a real-time issue we could talk about would be the coronavirus. And uh, so we, we, here in Blairsville, we have our experience with that. And, you, and we saw some guidelines and restrictions. And, and when you went to Walmart and Home Depot, everyone was, there was, you know, being careful. I don't know who was at Walmart or Home Depot this past weekend. Uh, we were at Home Depot. It appears that nobody has any concern for coronavirus at Home Depot right now. <laughs> that said, we took Nate down to West Palm. I told you last week that we had done that. When we were down there, if you went to a Home Depot or if you went to a Walmart or to a Publix, 90% of people were wearing a mask. So well, who's right and who's wrong? Well, you could talk to the doctors. And you've got doctors disagreeing. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You've got the state government disagreeing with the federal government how we should be treating this thing. You have the CDC and the WHO organization, you know, butting heads over what we should do. One business is back to normal, or at least here in Blairsville, it seems like most are back to normal. You go uh, south to West Palm. Um, or other areas of the country, and they are not back to normal. One family staying home, watching online, glad that you guys are with us. We have lots that are here, though, this morning. Some are wearing masks, some aren't wearing masks. So who's right, 
Who do you trust? What information? So with something like the coronavirus, it's easy to say, well, we're just going to do the best that we can. But what if someone says your response to the coronavirus is a matter of your faith? Your faith in God. Um, so you have one person says, look, I trust God. If he's going to take me home, then he's going to take me home, and I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. And then you have somebody else say, well, I trust God too, but when I get in my car, I put my seatbelt on. And so when I go to the store, I'm going to wear a mask. Who's right and who's wrong? So the, the, this is an issue of our physical health, and we have lots of different opinions on that. But what about matters of our spiritual health? That seems to be the greater issue. So Paul has uh, an issue that he's, he's dealing with here in Romans. He, he has three. We'll look at two of them this morning. Um, but the first one here is in verse 2. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So in, in, with this issue, it's a matter of what you're allowed to eat. Um, so um, is, and I, this, I, this, was a, this is a first century issue, okay? So we have everyone here kind of ha- probably has a, an opinion on meat and vegetables, probably not whether it is spiritually good or bad, but physically good or bad. But um, well, you're probably dealing with maybe two things. One, in the first century, a lot of food would have been sacrificed to idols. And so you have good God-fearing Christians saying, you know what, if that was sacrificed to idols, I don't want to touch it. And then as we talked about last week, you have the Jew-Gentile issue from in the first century. So you have the Jewish people saying, that's pork. I'm not going to go near it. And then the Gentile friends are saying, yeah, but I want to bring pulled pork to the barbecue. You know? Um, and so what are we supposed to do? For us, we can kind of laugh at it. And we'll see as we go along this morning, some of these things, we're just going to laugh at it because they're not our issues. Now, don't you know, we get a little more touchy when it's the issue that we have a, a, a problem with or contention with. We can laugh at everyone else's issues. So the issue here, eat meat or eat vegetables. Um, and so it actually, it actually defines who's, who's the weaker one. It says the weak person eats vegetables. So um, what, what were they doing? Verse 3 kind of gives us that indication. Let the one who eats the meat, presumably, despise let, excuse me, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. So you have these two groups. The, the ones that are eating are just kind of looking down, despising, I think, maybe looking down on. What's wrong? It's beef. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't see Freddie here. Chase, where's Chase. He, he, maybe he had to leave. They raise cows. You know they're eating steaks. You know, medium rare ribeye, right? Well, if you're eating your medium rare ribeye, don't look down on the one that says, you know what, I, just, I, I, I'm, I feel more comfortable just eating a salad. You know, that's, that's all I'm comfortable with. But then the one who eats the salad can't look at the one eating the steak and say, Father, forgive him. He does not know what he does. <laughs> Right? Like there's, there's this idea of, of condemnation and judgment going back and forth, back and forth. Um, and look at this bottom statement here. God has welcomed him. God's welcomed too. I would argue that God's welcomed them both. They're both welcome to sit around the table of the Father. So this is, this is the issue that they are dealing with. Verse 4. This helps us to get an idea of the response that we should have. 
Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? I think this would be talking on both sides. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So this idea of, of judging, who are you to pass judgment? Who are you to judge? So that's a, that's a, a common statement in, in, in Christian circles, sometimes maybe a criticism of us. Well, doesn't the Bible say you shouldn't judge? Um, so what does it mean to judge? Well, if you go to dictionary.com, it just says that you would uh, form an opinion or conclusion about something. And that kind of sounds not too bad. You know, you, you have to do that, right? You're shopping, you're, you're buying a new outfit, you have to make an, you, you got to come to an opinion or conclusion, which one's going to be best. Um, we, we, we make decisions, we ju- make judgments to get through life. But here, we're talking about a different word when it says, who are you to pass judgment? And this, uh, this type of judgment has the idea of dividing or separating, uh, making a distinction, like I talked about earlier, you're over here. You don't eat the vegetables, or you don't eat the meat, you, you're, you're over here. Us meat eaters, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're kind of the superior because we understand better than you vegetarians, or vice versa. Uh, so you're coming to a decision, but it includes this idea of preferring one over the other. Like, I'm, I'm more spiritual because I eat this than you who don't eat that. Uh, and, and this is contrary to God's word. We talked last week a lot about unity. Our, our relationship with Christ should bring us together, not divide us. Uh, yet the reality is we have this, there's, we have separations. We'll, we'll get to here in a minute some of the things that we talk about as far as having opinions on. But look at the, the bottom statement here. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. The meat eater, the, the vegetarian, the Lord is able to make them stand. Um, maybe you've had... A situation in, in your life, and, and a, a lot of you are probably past this, this stage in life. Some of you still have young children, but you're out and around, you're, you're in the store, you're doing something, and your kids are, you know, they're, they're just being kids. They're underfoot, they're doing their thing. You ever have somebody come up to you, or not to you actually, but bypass you and get on to your kids for doing something when you were in public? What do you say to that person? Yeah, back off. <laughs> I'm with Bill. Back off. That's, hey, this is my, that's my boy, and I'll determine what he does or doesn't do. Um, and I think this, this last statement, the Lord is able to make him stand. What you, what, if you're eating meat or eating vegetables, that's between you and the Lord, not between you and me. And this next verse here, um, I believe, verse, let's look at verse 5. No, no, before we get there. God is able to make him up. Uh, sorry, can we go back to verse four? The Lord is able to make him stand, whichever side that you are on this issue. Now, what I, I, one more thing I wanted to point out is Paul doesn't say who's right. Now, in this situation, he indicates there's a weaker one and, and maybe it's an area for growth in their faith. Um, not to condemn that person, probably encourage them along. But he doesn't say to the vegetarian, you need to eat meat. And he doesn't say to the meat eater, you need to stop and you need to start eating vegetables. He allows both of them to continue on the path that they're on. So I, I said earlier, you know, we have this, this, we're talking about this idea of judging. And there's this 
you've maybe heard this statement, well, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to be judging. That's what the Bible says. There is a time to judge, but not over these disputable matters that we're discussing this morning. So just, I'm just going to mention this. We're not really going to discuss it. But if we're talking about an issue, a clear issue of sin, someone's lying, someone's stealing, someone's cheating, we don't just say, that's between them and the Lord. You know, they, they do what they do. You know, you, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. That, that's not what we're, we're getting at. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is a good example of that, where Paul is addressing some sexual sin within the church that was clearly wrong. And he didn't say to them, well, to each his own. But what he said in verse 12 is, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? So he's actually talking about the fact that the world is full of sin. And he said, don't waste your time judging people who don't know Jesus. They don't have the new life. They don't have the ability to do what is right. He says, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So we have passages of scripture that say that we should judge. We have passages that say we should not judge. Is it conflicting? No, I think we're talking about two different types of situations. So our situation this morning is this uh, quarreling over opinions or quarreling over disputable matters. And with an issue of sin, I think we confront that sin with love and a spirit of reconciliation. Um, but that's not the, the type of issue we're dealing with this morning. So let's talk about some of these issues. We would maybe call them issues of Christian liberty or Christian freedom. And there's, there's plenty of them. I'll give you one more that you can laugh at, and then maybe we'll get a little more personal. But uh, late 1800s, two preachers, Joseph Parker and Charles Spurgeon, Okay, probably heard of Spurgeon, Parker maybe, maybe not. But these guys ministered together in England. In fact, sometimes would cover for each other, you know. They would share the same pulpit, minister together, doing great things for the Lord uh, until they had a disagreement. And it was apparently bad enough that it was actually in the newspapers. So, heaven forbid that we have pastors in Burlesville, Georgia, you know, running their laundry in the newspaper. But this is what was happening. So, the issue... Joseph Parker would go to the theater. Spurgeon would smoke cigars. Each one felt like what the other was doing was a sin, and they parted ways. Now, they each continued to have ministry, but they couldn't have unity together because they, they viewed these two issues differently. Now, I don't see... Help me find it if I'm missing it, but what scripture speaks directly to... Going to the theater. Uh, is there one that talks about tobacco? Now, there may, be, there may be scriptures that we apply principles to help us make decisions on these things. But these guys got into such agreement that they parted ways. So what are some of the things that we want to make sure are not things that create so much disunity that we part ways, but things that we say, okay, there's going to be some differing opinions amongst our congregation but we're going to choose to have unity. So some of these things may be what movies or TV shows are okay or not okay to watch. Parents, when do your children get a cell phone? Right? When they get that cell phone, what can they do with it? What apps are on it? How much screen time do they get? Uh, what, what is our position on tobacco use or alcohol consumption? When does a conversation and the language we use in that conversation go from being okay to being sinful? What, what does it even mean to observe the Sabbath? Like it's supposed to rain today, but next Sunday you get home after church and you see the, 
the, the garden's starting to wilt a little bit. Is it okay to get the hose out and, you know, revive those plants a little bit? And if, if you're doing that and see a weed, is it okay to pick that weed? Or does the, it's okay to water because they might die, but it, the weed can wait till Monday because it's not as big. <laughs> Easter, Halloween, Christmas. Like, are we starting to get, become pagan if we do an egg hunt on Easter? Or if we put the tree up, are we losing the focus of what Christmas really is? And is that... What kind of music should we sing? I love we sang Because He Lives this morning. You know, my memories of singing that song, it's been a long time since I remember singing it, but I remember as a, as a kid growing up, be the piano on one side and the organ on the other side. And we'd sing Because He Lives. And this morning we're doing it to electric guitar and to drums. You know, was that wrong that we did it that way? Back in the 80s when I was growing up, I would argue to say that there would be a lot of people that said that was wrong. And that's why I said earlier, we, we, we can talk about some issues and laugh at them, but don't, don't laugh at the issues that are important to me. We could, I mean, we could go on. How often should we be here together as a church? Like, is there a certain number of times of week? Um, in a given service, are there certain things that we must do or must not do? And we could go on and on and on. So let's look at another issue that they were dealing with here uh, that Paul was dealing with this church in verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So a couple of things probably happening here. Again, the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians coming together. The Jewish Christians may be feeling like they should worship on the Sabbath, or perhaps even go to the synagogue on Saturday and then go to the church with the Gentiles on Sunday. Uh, we know that the Lord's Day as the Gentiles would have referred to it, would be on a Sunday. And, and I mean, here we are, we're still doing it on Sunday. But maybe the, some of the festivals and holy days that the Jewish people grew up observing, and now you're saying we don't have to do those? I, I, I feel like I'm sinning if I don't do it. And so there's this discussion. What I like about this verse, and I, when, when we read this one, we read um, about the meat and the vegetables. Paul tells us who the weaker person is. But who's the weaker one here? It doesn't tell us. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So, I, okay, some of you know me fairly well, some of you not so well. Growing up, I was the rule follower. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. To the best of my ability, anyways, right? Well, what am I supposed to do? Do I go to church on Saturday or Sunday? Somebody just tell me and I'll do it. But Paul is like, I'm not going to tell you. Each of you should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats... Okay, I'm reading, but you're not flipping. That's okay. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. And gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. This, to me, we're, we, he, Paul looked at the first issue, and he's cycling back through on the second issue. It, it reminds me again of that illustration. Nobody's going to tell my kid what to do. I'll tell him what to do. And in these issues, Paul's saying, look, each one gives an account to the Lord. Uh, verse 9 says, 
sorry, verse 8 says, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So, this isn't a free pass. All right, it, you, could almost, you could almost start to head down that path. It says, well, you live to the Lord, I'll live to the Lord, you do what you want, I'll do what I want. Don't judge me. That's, again, not what this passage is saying. And I think um, if you're like, well, actually, Pastor Jeff kind of leaves that door open a little bit. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you know that you're going to sit beside someone on Sunday, and they've got an issue with something, be considerate to the other one's interests. We, we have, we, I said earlier, we've got a mix of older and younger. So here's something that's come up before. Some of these young guys have walked into Sunday service with their ball cap on. And some, uh, for some people, it just <laughs> writes them. And maybe they don't say anything. I, I know, because I know, being the youth pastor, I know some of our young guys, they've had people come to them and say, this is, this is the Lord's house, could you take your hat off, please? Now, what have I advised these young guys? I see some bigger grins on some than others. We've had this conversation. I bring this verse up. Right? So these young guys have to realize if they wear their cap into church, the Bible does talk about head coverings. That's a whole other conversation. Um, if, I would say that if we're going to argue that the young men are not allowed to wear their hats, then we should make sure the women all have something over their heads. It's the same passage. But... I do say to the young guys, look, be considerate. We have people that's really a problem for them. But I would also encourage some of the older ones to say, we, we want, do we want these guys here or not? We want them here. And so it's a difficult thing, and, and sometimes it feels like we left church and we kind of just said, like, would I rub up some sandpaper or something? But, I mean, these are the discussions. See, this is one of those ones. We're not laughing as much at this one because <laughs> it's still a reality, right? Maybe one day people will be laughing at that one. Really? They talked about that? All right, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23, 24. Here's another one that I would say to these young guys. All things are lawful or all things are permissible, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So there has to be some, some give and take. All right, We have to realize that when we walk in here with a large, diverse group, that not everything that happens is going to be exactly the way that I want it to be. And it's not going to be exactly the way that Mike wants it to be, or the, exactly the way that uh, Paul and Garnet would want it to be. But we have unity, because we're here for much more than a ball cap. Right? We're going to get to that. All right, verse 10, though. We're going to keep, keep going. Verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why are you dividing? Oh, that's bad. Don't, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, th does the Bible speak to it? 
Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So what does this, what does this mean? We're going to stand before um, the judgment seat of God. So this would be described as the Bema Seat. If you look at Greek, it's called the Bema Seat. And the Bema Seat would have been used for different things in the Greek culture. One of them would be at the end of an athletic competition. The, the, the victors, the ones who had done well, had won their races or won their competition, they would be brought to the Bema Seat and they would be given their reward in front of everybody. And they would be rewarded for what they had done during the competition. So when we see this translation, the judgment seat of Christ, there's a little bit of, a little bit of fear, a little bit of apprehension. Ooh, do I want to be on the judgment seat of Christ? Well, this isn't the, this isn't the place where a believer is to be worried. Uh, as a Christian, we have been declared righteous on account of what Christ did on the cross. So we're not coming here to deal with our sin. The sin was dealt with on the cross, but we come here for what we have done with the new life that we've been given. And it's not, be, and it's not a place where uh, you're going to be punished because you didn't do so well and you're going to be rewarded. Straight rewards. We're already in heaven. We have the, 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 the joy and the hope and the, all of the good things that come from our relationship with God culminated in our in, in being in heaven with him. But then the, the Bible talks about rewards. We're going to look at one passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that talks again about this judgment seat. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, speaking to Christians, speaking to believers, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So this isn't, this isn't a, a judgment seat that we should be afraid of, but it is a judgment seat where some will have will leave with more rewards than others. And then verse 12 in Romans 14 concludes this section with this. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And again, talking about here at this judgment seat, the Bema seat, not a, not a place to be feared. So a few things as, that we'll walk away with. We're going to look at the rest of this chapter, Lord willing, next week. But what are we walking away with? This morning, in disputable matters, unity is more important than being right. The, especially here with the holy days, he doesn't say which one's right or which one's wrong. With the meat and the vegetable, he indicates that maybe one has a little bit, an area of growth still and, and understanding and, and uh, a knowledge that they don't yet have, but they'll, as they come to understand it, they'll have greater faith. But with the, the holy days, there's not really... There's no indication of who was right, who was wrong. And Paul doesn't, I think Paul leaves it like that because that's the point. We're not going to agree on every single thing. Augustine said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Or I would say, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, freedom. In all things, love. So discussion about these things is good. When we have an issue, like some of these guys I've talked to about wearing a ball cap in church, there are scriptures that help guide us, that give us principles for how to deal with various situations. And we need to study the scriptures and have an understanding of why we put up a Christmas tree 
And is that, is that sinful or is that not sinful? And, and why we might do it, but we understand that others might not. And, and, and each one of these different things. Um, you know, I, for, I don't know how many of you remember, you know, cramming for a test or, you know, trying to pack in and you're like, man, you ran out of time. You didn't read the book. You got the report due. So you just go in, you read like the first paragraph of each chapter and the last paragraph and you just, you know, you push your way through this book in like 30 seconds. Let me, let me do that uh, with, with this passage. Let me read the first verse of this section and the last verse of this section. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're going to have these different opinions on a lot of these things. It's, between, it's going to be between you and the Lord. And we're called to have unity even with these differences. I think another big thing that we can do is we can pray about it. I think a lot of times, and this is me included, we see something, we have some thoughts about that, we, we find that verse, we stick it in our back pocket, we want to go talk to somebody. Right? And I think that we need to stop, we need to pray about it. And, uh, you know, I told, I told us all last week, you know, slow down on the social media, be careful about how much time we're spending there. This is something I saw on social media this week. It's a, it's, a, it's a quote by Eugene Park, and I think he's really, he's really sort of discussing some of the racial issues that we're facing as a country. So think about it in light of that matter, but then I, I want to apply it to what we're talking about this morning. But this is what he said, when we pray in times of injustice, we are protesting to the highest authority in the universe, the perfect arbiter of all justice. As human beings made in the image of the God of justice, prayer is our foundational path to justice. Our apathy about prayer and our rush to do justice in any number of other ways rather than pray may uncover not a disbelief in prayer itself, but a failure to see God as judge. And one of the things that I think is clear in this passage is on these disputable matters or matters differing opinions, God is the judge. Like, I'm not your judge and, and you're not my judge on some of these things. And so if we see God is the judge, then we go to him in prayer. And we take these things that, that are stirring up in us to him in prayer and, and see where he leads us to go with it. And then the last thing I just want to mention is verse 12 um, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, this is, for me, very clearly talking about the Bema Sea. This is speaking to believers. We will give an account. We will be rewarded for the things that we've done. But it does bring to mind for me the fact that there is an appointment. We all have an appointment. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And for, for the Christian, like that's, we've done that. Right? We, we, we bowed the knee. We confessed. We said... Jesus, you're Lord. You, you're, I can't do anything to save myself, but you can. So we've done that. But what about for the one who hasn't done that? We'll stand before God clothed in Christ's righteousness and be rewarded. But those who don't believe will stand before him and be found guilty. So what role are we playing? Are we you know, arguing over hats and Christmas trees? Or are we... Pulling together and saying, look, there's, there's, a lot, there's a bigger thing that we need to be focused on. And we've been talking about having unity so that when people look at us, 
House of Prayer body of Christ, they see him. They look at people not judging and arguing amongst each other, but they see people who love each other. They see uh, a group of people with all kinds of differences, different generations, and all these unique things about us, and yet we've come together for one purpose, and that's to make his name known. So instead of worrying about some of these little things, are we spending our time focusing on the big things? Are we introducing people to Christ? And look, I'm looking out here, I'm preaching the text, I'm looking at a loving bunch of people right here, and I'm just thrilled to be part of this body. But we're all tempted to just want to put our foot down sometimes and say, well, I want it the way that I want it. And this is calling us to something greater than that. So let, let me pray with you this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, you, you know our hearts. You, you see them. Uh, you, you see the, the, the places where we're selfish and just want our way sometimes. But Lord, I believe you see that we, we want to do what's right. We want to live a life that honors you. We want to be obedient to your word, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, give us grace for these areas where we disagree over matters of opinion, areas where you don't uh, specifically in your word tell us if it's right or if it's wrong. Lord, I ask that you would help us to uh, love each other and that we would celebrate the uniqueness uh, that we experience here as a body of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would... um, Not let us be afraid, though, of dealing with sin in our lives personally, but also as a church, that um, we would recognize that there are times where we do need to hold each other accountable and hold each other to a standard. Lord, I ask that you'd give us wisdom to to know the difference between the two. Lord, I pray that as a church we'd be known for our love, for our acceptance, for the unity that we have as a church with a a common goal of celebrating who you are and what you've done in our lives and, and wanting other people to know about you, Lord, and the great things that you've done for them as well. Lord, I pray that we would be the, the salt and the light that our community so desperately needs. Lord, I, I pray for the, the person here this morning who says, man, I, I hear about that judgment seat, and, and Pastor, you say it's not something we need to be afraid of, but I've never made things right with God. Like, well, uh, Lord, I pray that not one would leave here this morning without giving their life to Christ, without saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. Lord, I pray if there's one here that needs to deal with that issue in their life, that they would not hesitate to talk to someone that they know or one of our our prayer partners here, Alan or Angie, uh, just more than willing to discuss some of these things with you. Lord, I pray that um, we would be known as a congregation for our love, for our unity, and the things that excites us, and that's our relationship with you and the way that you change lives and that you... Uh, do great works, and we're excited about who you are, Lord. And I pray that those are the things that we would place our focus on, and that you would give us grace to um, be united even when we have these differences. Lord, we praise your name this morning. May you be glorified in what we do as we go from here this week. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.